I call not hosting. Introduce the show. I call not introducing. I I kind of did it last time, so no scores. Oh, I thought I kind of did it last time, so we'll do it again. (laughs) I mean, I can. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I can say the name of the show. Hey, everyone, welcome to our third, not annual, live (laughs) machine learning. Machine learning, a pod about the machine from Pod Against the Machine, the only podcast with a. 25 word supplementary podcast title mm, fell off Ugh, there. What's the only end of podcast that? with a supplementary podcast with a 25 word title? Ah, you were doing so, so well. Yeah, I missed yeah, it. Almost got it. Almost got a Sky Medal for that. Whiffed what? Come on. Would have been a half Sky. Available in episode. <laughs> uh-huh, when you totally will <laughs> need it. But we're not talking about ex- episode. Uh-huh. We're talking about episode 61? 61. 61. 61. Sounds yep. right. All those episode years 61, ago. 61, do the smite thing. Do the smite <laughs> thing. We ended our last one on the Kira battle. And then as an immediate consequence, consolation prize, we were brought before Hellion. This is our first time seeing Hellion, I believe, in this app. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was indeed. We've literally never seen mm-hmm. that guy ever. I can't. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This is not the time. Yeah, no. It is two episodes from this that you remind Hellion that you have not seen his feet. And then Hellion reminds you that it is a reciprocal relationship. <laughs> um, plugs his OnlyFans, of course. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, no. So in this episode, of course, like we immediately were brought to the under the arena. We were confronted with Hellion and then believe he confused Kira right off. Oh, right. Just immediately. That's right. This is this is what I uh, like memorialized in my mind is that the Kira sad eps. Just we went straight into an arena battle. Uh, I got knocked out again in that second arena battle. Mild spoiler alert, since we haven't actually said that part yet. Uh, and then immediately confused. And I think that, well, that's coming up. It just, a uh, rough couple apps. Rough couple apps. Now, to be fair, you were all very mean to the divine being first. And then he did hit you with the... The greasy smite. Yeah, the greasy smite. Unholy blight. There we go. I could only remember it for its cloying, greasy darkness. Yeah, I do remember the cloying. Just the word cloying is always upsetting, which I guess is its intention. Uh, Were we mean, though? I feel like we kind of met his energy. Um, He's, you kind of expect him to be mean on account of, you know, giant demon in a TV. Yeah, and so we just like spoke to him in his own language. That's what you're supposed to do. No, you were all really mean and made him feel bad. He could have been an ally. I agree to disagree. So question for you, Sam. How hard was it to try to maintain that Hellion could be a demon or like anything other than than what he is to us? Like, is there a lot of guidance in the book? Did you feel like you really had to emphasize that we could be facing an actual demon? Because, I mean, we've we at one point were pulled on machine learning about what we thought Hellion was. 
And uh, at that point, none of us had actually said what he he was because you've done a good job. So I kind of just wanted to see your process on that a little bit. Um, in the book, basically the only thing they say about that, well, they do say like it, it's supposed to be mysterious as you don't really know what he is. The other thing in the book it says is like at some point the players should figure it out. <laughs> Which, you know, they give you a lot of leeway as to how that is. And as you get more and more information, and I feel like one of the first real tip-offs you get is that he's in the TV. And you see this stock image demon guy. Like, he's he's straight up out of iStock photo. <laughs> and, like, that's just a, a picture that he chose for himself. He photoshopped it. or I just imagine him Googling. Yeah, he Googled demon. Scary demon robot yeah he didn't yeah. even have mid journey which is the sad <laughs> thing because he could have done better <laughs> dang i mean if you had told us that before we bullied him like maybe it would have felt different well if you could just toss that. him ten dollars for a basic license oh buddy i'm already considering upgrading i cannot i cannot spare the 10 for you <laughs> uh but yeah, the other kind of interesting side of that was this was the first time we ran into the conundrum that you have when you have a big smashing friend like Kira, which is will saves. Uh, it, I mean, it's dangerous for everybody, but as evidenced by how ineffectual Brix was against everyone except for himself when he also got confused, it's really just the person that smashed themselves for full damage multiple times, oh. Kira, to right be afraid face. of. <laughs> Which I, I still think I, I hold is better than smashing any of... I mean, the party was, let's say, less squishy at the time. But still, had she been too close to Briggs or Asher, it would have been all over. Here at least has enough. Well, although after that battle, no. Slightly fewer points. Just Again, as we've established, Kira's sad arc. And when I say arc, it's more like a upside-down parabola. A U. <laughs> and that reminded me of those... Or stadium attendant that uh, came in to check on us immediately after that. And we had to keep convincing them that we weren't there to fight while also trying to keep them away from the confused Kira. <laughs> well, it's funny how that worked out because like, I mapped out how far away Kalgara was and how many turns and move actions it would take her to open all the doors and walk all that distance and it's like this is going to take forever but like Hellion would pop up on the TV in her office and be like hey go deal with this and she was like oh fine whatever and then she would go and walk up so I had those guys basically instructed by Hellion to stall and I had had the two ogres who were um, I think one of them even told you they were stalling (laughs) Asher diplomatized it out of it. It was assured Ed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then when Kolgara showed up, which was cool as heck, because we also got to see the chainsword at that time, she nat 20 two glitter dusts in a row, <laughs> proceeded to just covered in glitter, walk out into the middle of the arena and uh, give us a pretty stark choice. You basically gave her pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to ask you all how that came off because I was pretty convinced that the the no selling of just like walking through. I think Vargas had a tax of opportunity and he was just like punching at her and she just kept walking like it didn't even matter. She yes. overran him. She oh, did yeah, she went and knocked right me through. down. <laughs> and then I got an AOO on the ground. Oh. 
rolled it hit her and you had her just like ignore it and keep going <laughs> it's giving uh like she studied all the performance combat rules and nailed them yeah <laughs> uh like i was uh reluctantly impressed which at the time just felt angry yeah but in retrospect with time passed i can be like fine whatever she was really uh, going for the undertaker like after he sits up kind of no sell everything oh. yeah that was the vibe i was going <laughs> Well, and so does that make that whiny little orc cleric pallbearer? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You mean uh, Malachi, Balakai? Yeah, Malachi. Malachi understudy. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I similarly feel like it would have been really anticlimactic if she walked out and was like, oof, ouch, my eye. Right? Like, it definitely needed to go that way. I'm like, I do like yeah. one that does. Like, being on the receiving end of 20s for like the perfect narrative arc is great but also acknowledging that sometimes yeah that tells the right story but man did that suck when you're like mm. you can't aggro your way out of this because <laughs> I have a hostage Ugh. Uh, mm -hmm. it's like Sam knew <laughs> well they had the advantage of having a network of TVs through which they could communicate with one yeah. another and they also had Barry Allen on speed dial to grab Dinvaya out of the crowd, beat her up, and tie her up in the two minutes that we were. No, she walked over with all of you, and then she just Barry. didn't come in. Was she just standing outside? Yeah, she just waited really? outside like a dum-dum. She's like, this is fine here. <laughs> I'm not going to go in with them and maybe heal Kira or anything like I was, that. It's, it's the same. Again, vibes are uh, when you're arriving to like a Brooklyn Cyclones game on a Friday night and you see all the teenagers' moms dropping them off. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then the moms get kidnapped by a troll. And, and then the moms get kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All of the collective moms. Yeah, Coney Island these days is wild. <laughs> so we, we then... We, like, rescued her. It's fine. Yeah, well, we I guess did. there was some other stuff happened first. Well, we... Did we surrender her for the evening, I believe? <laughs> as Not collateral? Willing. Yeah, we allowed them to keep We were her. bombed. I think we tried to talk them... Did we try it with like an actual diplomacy roles or did we just talk to them uh I'm bricks sure. it's been a while since i've listened to it <laughs> that was like bricks's only contribution he talked late in i remember it was just like and and vargas did too both really tried to yeah. evoke the like warrior code of honor thing that's like we're gonna oh, be here yes that's right because vargas like called her a coward for having a hostage i forgot about that totally because that that's right that's how we arranged the second arena fight was by him saying like mm -hmm let us out if, and we'll come back tomorrow and fight you fair and square bluffing out of his hind quarters <laughs> pg-13 pod bluffing out of his butt because we would not have won a fight then and there yeah tactically yeah. that was definitely a bad decision for them they would have housed you but you know yeah. I, they, they wanted everybody to see you getting executed yeah and i kind of played into that like he was like oh okay if you really want to uh, show up, like, fight us in the arena, four on four, tomorrow. <laughs> A.K.A. after we've all healed and got our spells back. Well, yeah, and I think that that was, like, kind of an important part of what we acknowledged was what passed for leadership by the Lords of Frost. Yeah. Because it's, like, a tenuous position. Yeah. I mean, this is the Thunderdome, right? Of course, like, copyright, mm -hmm. copyright, whatever. But, I mean, this is the Master Blaster situation. These are the people that had basically won their station via combat. 
So like it definitely had to go down this way. And it would have been pretty lame if they had totally housed us after that battle. Again, kind of in serving narrative. They would have TPK'd us. Like we would have died. They would have killed Dinvanya. Uh, yeah, whatever her name is. We have a new cleric now. I don't need to worry about this. <laughs> so I guess then moving on, uh, the that was just about all of that. We kind of slunk back to Dinvaya's house without her, broke in, slept on her bed. We didn't actually that time. Yeah. I think we like we out by we I mean Kira like was like out of respect is like yeah. Yeah. Didn't sleep on her bed. Yeah. You're right. Actually, that's true. Good for us. And then that led us into episode 62 Laser Sunday, <laughs> which uh was us getting all buffed up and heading back to the hilariously large arena where our team had a long-range energy weapon and theirs didn't. And uh, that ended up being pretty helpful. It worked out well. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot more competitive than it wound up being, but that 110-foot range on that laser rifle. And Jep's amazing rolling on that, too, for the numbers. Uh, I don't think... Did he misfire once with that thing or not misfire like I don't whatever think you call it the glitch uh, it's called glitching glitch yeah, i yeah. don't think he ever glitched <laughs> yeah. yeah he emptied the clip on that thing without glitching which i mean that's what i was going to bring up that was one of the first inclusions of time worn rolling active rolling for a while because we have a lot of uh, time worn stuff but most of our time worn stuff if i remember the rules vaguely fall into the category of it needs to be rolled on like once it's if it's activated for the first time in a really long time. And then maybe mm-hmm. some other conditions, like maybe last charge on the battery or something. Yeah. But yeah. like this weapons yeah, function that differently. That had to go every shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, with, with a weapon, it's uh, first time it's fired, last charge on the battery, and then any time you roll a one, it's an automatic glitch. Oh, was that it? Okay, so maybe that's why he didn't have as many. Yeah, so it's not uh, every okay. roll. For some reason, I was misremembering that he was rolling every time like we do for the health guns. No, but he emptied the clip, so, I mean, he rolled twice, At least twice, yeah. Yeah. While he did get the grip point on Kolgara, he did not get the I'm going to kill you and take your chainsaw point. (laughs) Someone else got that point. Although, I actually, I'm pretty sure Kira went down before Kolgara died, but... No, it's not true, actually. That's You went down canonically hugging your chainsaw. <laughs> Cradling the chainsaw, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah. As one does. Beautiful. Mission accomplished. It wasn't quite the vengeance that I wanted, but you know what, I'd take it. God, and that, was this the, also the one where she, or was it our last arena battle, where, uh, where like, Kogara came in just denouncing stickers like some sort of monster? Last thing she said, actually, was, stickers are still stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Truly yeah. a monster. True. Sam, you're talking about. That's why was, the chainsaw is now completely covered in stickers. Yeah, oh, that was how you knew she was beyond redemption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> true. Any redemption arc she might have had, it's it's Apple's same rule as like, hey, no bad guys can hold our phones. It's like <laughs> only good guys get the stickers. So we won. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we took out her. We took out uh, what was the uh, troll's name again? Uh, Hellskarg. Hellskarg, yes. Mm, yes. Took out Hellskarg, finally. Took out two randos that Sam had to stick in because we pre-killed the ogres. Love a pre-kill. <laughs> it wasn't very nice. Good. Yeah, it was It was good. 
Now, were those guys like existing like mook guys that you were able to just move in there, or did you have to roll up characters? No, uh, there was uh, a set number of those acolytes of Hellion, which were just like level one mm. clerics. They were, I mean, basically yeah. nothing fellas, but they tossed them in there. I thought about putting in a person or two that appears later, and I was like, that would be too mean, and mm. only like a book three Sam would do yeah. that. Yeah. I, like the... <laughs> character that we run into later that's a bit of a head case that character Mm. i I considered you now i considered something like that (laughs) and you know yeah that would have been brutal having that character the troll and kolgara all in one fight yeah yeah that's a lot thanks sam or even doing nalakai have him come out as one of the four but instead, oh yeah, and have him buffing them. Yeah, that would have been nasty mm-hmm. too. Because I'm assuming, as a cleric, he could have buffed. Yeah. yeah. Where did Malachi go? Because we did. You know. Next step. Next step. Okay. We um, yeah. so we house them in That's this. That's how you mocked him. And it is pretty cool. Brixby at the end lets off a fireball to kill like a CR1 mook to really solidify. Like yeah. Jeff, and as the- he's uh, <laughs> retreating, if I remember. Yeah, and I. <laughs> He's not here, but I remember Jeff in the moment was like, this is a waste of a spell. But Brixby's thought process behind this was, we just ended the Lord's Breast in the most performative way possible. So basically mm -hmm. fireworks. Yeah, you were doing it for the audience. I was doing it for the audience. Oh, and that was his first time to cast it. Let's also remember, this is the first battle with haste. This is another reason that we absolutely house them. And that's not like a, because the team Mm. was the one that ponied up the money to pay for that. And again, Commodore about arcane tricksters and having to buy spells, it sucks. But like, haste Mm. was a good investment that this party spent money on. And I will always give. I will. Yeah. I'll buy a haste every day. Uh, so that was good. That was satisfying. We won. Little time for celebration, as I recall, as we were pretty much like, hey, let's go get Vinvaya. Yeah, uh, we didn't have a lot of time for fanfare. We, 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 we sprinted in to save Vinvaya. I mm-hmm. assume doing that thing that they do in action movies of where you walk away slow motion from a fireball. That's, that's canon in my head. Speaking of head, though, <laughs> didn't we take a beat to indulge Vargas before we actually rescued Dinvaya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Giant Vargas, who had cast in large person on himself during that fight because right, he thought right. he would go toe-to-toe with the troll and then she died before he could get within 20 feet of her. <laughs> he made good on a promise he had given Kokara the day before when, like I said, he was trash-talking her and said he would cut her head off and put it on a sp- <laughs> and no spikes being available, he hung it from Jimmy Fame's announcer booth. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful callback. Yeah. From the uh, recently erected memorial statue for the Dippin' Dots employee that died the week prior. <laughs> <laughs> just in the best taste possible, just put the head right on there. It's in scrap while you pay respects by, you know, using someone else's decapitated skull. Pop that right on top. That's the equivalent of the F in the chat. <laughs> F in the chat. F's in the chat. Skulls on the dip and dots. <laughs> on the spike. Um, so, yeah, you all went into back inside the under the arena kind of dungeony ruin business and found the one thing that the Lords of Rust hadn't lied about, which is where they kept Invaya in the room basically right there. They didn't make you go downstairs. But, of course, Nalakai was waiting for you. And he was 
the understudy of the book one boss, so you knew that he was absolutely going to destroy all of you. <laughs> Yikes. By himself. That was a good, that was a solid moment, that just calling him out for what he was. It's a bit, it was irritating, right? At least, again, thinking from my character's perspective, who's like, we just did this whole thing. Um, I came down here to rescue my friend, and now this guy is standing here telling us again how great his boss with, like, no visible feet is. Like, I can't do this again. Like, you keep telling me you love this TV show and have given me no evidence to why it's great. Like, and so I think that it worked out really well. And, um, Thanks, like Brixby caught on to the to the uh, to the joke pretty quickly, and we went in on the understudy. Which, like, okay, as I do have to say separately, I do respect the understudy, the swing in any case. Like, often so great. Um, if you haven't seen uh, Funny Girl yet, um, until for the next like week and a half, the former understudy is playing as the Funny Girl, <laughs> Fanny Bryce. That's her name. I was like, what is her name? Fantastic, great job. Anyway, yeah. back to the podcast. Yeah, no. Real life understudies are awesome people. Absolutely. Fantastic work. Malachi was a dick. Yeah, we, that's, that's his fault. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, stall tactic going on in the whole area because we went back down and he, he just kind of stalled again and then like Homer Simpson yeah. into the back room, into the bush. Just he's like, I'll get her and then just started trying to buff himself. <laughs> Before we yeah. absolutely, yeah, I think we walked in on him attempting to cast buff spells on him. Sure yeah, was. sure was. I, I revealed him <laughs> as a war priest before this episode, basically because I knew that he was just going to get chewed to bits, and um, you had already fought a bunch of low-level clerics. It's like maybe if he can buff himself a little bit, he'll be a little less terrible, and at least his gauntlet will do one d six. It didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I could taste the flavor of the fervor, though. I do love the way you played him, though, where, like, it was super obvious that he was completely terrified of us, but didn't want to say it. Oh, he 100% knew (laughs) that that he was going to (laughs) lose. Yeah. Which, but I feel like we kind of gave him a chance. We're like, you don't have to do this, my guy. Just go home. And he was like, oh, Lord of Rust. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, we gave him multiple chances. We're like, just point to the door she's behind and leave. We will and literally like, no, not no, touch I'll go you. with you. <laughs> uh, well, what are you going to do? Blind obeisance. Which uh, this all happened during Scorchy Doodles for Udles was uh, the Malachi episode, which that is another amazing name. I love looking back through this list of episode names. It's it's getting tougher and tougher for me to be like when we end whenever we have a dash Y and doodles episode. I'm like, was that Sam or Zach first? Who's to say? Did Sam say it and Zach doubled down? Did Zach say it and Sam doubled down? I think this was the episode where Zach gave birth to the oodles or the doodles. Oh, for sure, for there, sure. There were yeah. oodles of oodles prior to this episode. This was yeah. There was a I believe it was swift action. Bring out the wand so I can send some scorchy doodles to Udles or something this way. But it was stupid. Yeah. And as as the pod does, we enshrine our stupidity forever. <laughs> yeah. yes. Let's capitalize on that. Uh, but it worked out. You know, again, we like mm-hmm. lived. We got Dinvaya back eventually. Mm-hmm. We got her back to a place where she could use a holy symbol to heal us, which is the most important thing. Uh, I mean, that's why she existed. Uh-huh. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Only narrative inclusion there. After Kolgara had yeah. defaced her previous one. That's true. That's right. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, because Kolgara was, like, wearing it, wasn't she? Like, she had, like, 
turned it into a Hellion thing and was wearing it when we fought her. Which is like so rude, but also kind of ballsy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've got mixed feelings on that one. Especially in a world where like the gods demonstrably exist. Right. Yeah. They're like there. <laughs> but when when you like, think that you have an actual god just like living in your basement though, I mean Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but I have I can't I keep coming back to this like maybe he's one of those uniquely humble gods who's like, Hey, I'm just, you know, serving the people, man, living in a basement. But like you could also do better than basement right <laughs> basement and having other people running your running your errands basement and having other people running your errands badly basement and having a literal teenager and a decrepit old man coming mm -hmm. to like take all of basically your stuff dead. <laughs> basically dead <laughs> and I, then you know a capable rat and a cowboy i mean literally no spoilers but there was some far down the line plan to change his digs as it were, I, yeah. I believe that was that was mm. pretty cool. Well, and that's another thing. Like Holgara, it was heavily implied that she'd seen the real Hellion, because in the episode where we rescued Dinvaya, mm -hmm. she made mention to seeing what he really looked like, and that it wasn't what was on the TV. So, like, even if she did believe he was divine, to dis to deface a symbol of Bry. This is a world where people are regularly struck down by gods for doing this. <laughs> like, and like, even if she thinks Hellion is like an up and coming god, like, she has to realize Bry has got to be way older and way stronger. <laughs> like, that was still a really ballsy move. Definitely. But you have, like, just in the abyss, right? You have, like, things that crawl up to become nascent demon lords and then become demon lords and like the crazy cultists well, that like, follow uh, them and push them what's her name uh what's the the mother of monsters uh, goddess Lamashtu. Uh, Lamashtu. yeah yeah, yeah or, she became a god because she just killed a god and took his powers yeah like, people can occasionally do stuff like that uh, yeah she had a shot going with another demon lord and then she's like now i'm a god what are you gonna do jump yeah. Uh, like Tchotchke or whatever his name is, the one who's the frost giant, literally stole his demon lord status from Sithud, which he made a like nascent demon lord, the icy death guy. The like basically White Walkers, but not White Walkers demon lord. Uh, but yeah, we sure we sure housed and and brought our cleric back, and that was pretty much the end of that up. Uh, we ended on the really good decision to just all pass out in a pile with those little like sleep masks on really <laughs> obscuring <laughs> our vision earplugs oh, in yeah everybody was really tired well yeah because i mean it's not like we just killed kolgara it's not like they're gonna send a bunch of darklands assassins to attack us in the middle of the night or anything like, why would insane. they even do that and i mean we we did actually talk about this and i remember we we kind of made this as like a a story decision i remember making this decision at yeah. one point and i was just like we were all so tired well and i think the reason those guys attacked us were because we made that decision and then sam flipped through the book until he found something <laughs> that would punish us for that decision well i don't know i mean it was good foreshadowing <laughs> otherwise if that's the case yeah but. Like, I'm sure those guys existed actually sam is here to ask him so was <laughs> them attacking us in the uh 
cathedral something that happens in the book? Like, is that an option, or do you normally, like, fight them down in the underground? Um, they don't really get any agency in the book. They're just kind of an off-mention, like, these guys are here, too. They work for Hellion because they work for such-and-such that's not... We haven't gotten into yet. So was it your decision then that after all of us said, well, there's no way they're going to send somebody right after we killed all their entire leadership? For Was that what made you decide to um, a bunch of people after us? I'm not sure when exactly I made the decision, but I'm thinking, like, logically speaking, from Hellion's perspective, he just lost, like, so much of his power. And he has seen by this point that brute force just isn't working on, on these people. So... The next option that he has is to sneak up on you. And, like, they, they've seen Dinvaya. They know where she lives. So they pretty much know where you guys are sleeping. And they have effective mm-hmm. assassins. So it's it's sort of taking what the book has. And, like, I love to keep the pieces moving. Like, just because the book mm-hmm. says, like, these people are here doesn't mean that they're staying there. Like, you guys do something that's going to affect... Um, how everything is yeah. moving throughout the thing. So, yeah, they don't just exist in a uh, vacuum. <laughs> yeah, he was he was scared, and you know he's a god, but he was a, he was scared of these people who are who killed Kalgara, who was up to that point the strongest mortal that he'd ever encountered. Um, and as far as he knows, we killed Mianda too. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he absolutely <laughs> thinks you killed Mianda. He doesn't know. Yeah, because that's what we told everybody in Scrapwall. You bluffed that specifically, but you rolled high even with your with your um, negative two or whatever. But you know, you were right, Sam, when you said that the brute force was not working on the very capable four, but status effects were, <laughs> and boy, did they! That was a fun and timely episode because in the world of podcasting, the conversation about how to dispel darkness was kind of percolating on another podcast that was a fun coincidence yeah Yeah. amazing timing for that recording (laughs) but it was it was really really interesting because i mean you know it's just like when when i re-listen to eps one thing that i usually like to to remember is like okay wow so that is when like we really realized that charm compulsion spells that target the will save could could turn Kira against us. Most of us know that that's like a common-ish trope with kind of the lower will, like Marshall, but like also recognizing that we were completely screwed in magically created darkness. I can't sneak attack anything that has concealment. There's that. Thoughts? It was uh, not great. Vargas does not even have regular dark vision like Brixby does, let alone the ability to see in magical darkness. It was not great. Even with three people whose races give them dark vision, the magical darkness does not, it don't care <laughs> unless you got not, I keep wanting to say deeper darkness, but that's to make the darkness. I'm trying to think of what it's called the uh, vision to ability to see in dark. See in darkness. Yeah. It's just called see in darkness. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was able to uh, roll for bad feelings. Mm-hmm and kill a guy although i did blind all my friends so that was a kind of a bummer Mm, sorry that was such a fun irony because i think i believe we talked about this in the setup i can't remember but like the death throws that no because we did because i mentioned like what if one of them is like painting something on a ladder and falls (laughs) suddenly he blinds everybody else at the construction site and they all die too exactly so that was kind of a fun equilibrium 
there. But man, I mean, I believe that episode was in fact called Death Throws or the Best Throws. And that's a lie. Yes, it is. That's that's a patent (laughs) lie. (laughs) Well, what throws are better? I've never seen a sport. (laughs) The throws of passion sam <laughs> no i'm well okay i was gonna say like like an average like couch throw. oh yeah no that's a decorative throw Those things are so comfortable are you kidding me the first mm-hmm. throw at a sports game a sports game that involves throwing those those are good those are throws right there <laughs> sports. um ah uh, yes the old sports, sports throw, throw. Sports go throw. sports <laughs> yeah go sports throwers <laughs> Yeah, you know the uh, president steps out onto the soccer pitch and gives the sports mm-hmm. ball throw, <laughs> and just hurls it right on in there. And they say, "Mr. President, <laughs> President, Madam President, Person President," because we don't know your pronouns. That's not how you play soccer. And the president's like, mm, "Have you ever heard of that thing of where the thing goes off?" Mm-hmm. So I, I used to play soccer, but I don't remember the rules. So <laughs> I learned everything I know Cut about soccer out. from Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I should be watching Ted Lasso and Severance. Ah, yes. Ooh, remember Bennett like Beckham? God, the drama of her having to run around those field things and him being like, hey, you don't have to run anymore. And she was like, oh, I've injured myself. Uh. <laughs> Not seen that movie in like 15 years. No, me neither, but it sticks with you. It stuck so with me. That we didn't unfortunately play indoor footy with the dark creeper and dark stalker i believe that was our first also like we we uh both right there were two there there was the yeah you got like three creepers which are just little like cr1 babies and then one one stalker who's like a cr4 so like as fights go pathfinder would have you believe that this fight was much, much, much easier than even Kalgara by herself. But it gave you a, a lot of trouble because nobody could see. Totally. Mm-hmm. And he escaped, didn't he, the stalker? He we tried. no, he. Tr- I thought he tried to, and then we made him into a sconce. Yeah, that'd be Yempo. Sconced him. Yep. That would be uh, that again in our deeply carceral aesthetic. Oh, that's right, because we captured him and made Sam do a voice. I and then we put him in that. a closet. <laughs> that's right. Was... Insane. Put him in a closet. Yes, that's right. We locked him in the closet. <laughs> we truly thanked Invia in the best way we knew how. We gave her a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> don't open that closet. And I don't think we let him out. And I don't want to spoil anything that may have happened after this. You are. But I'm pretty sure he stayed in that closet for at least three or four in-game days. With no food. He was there for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to say the event that we finally decide to let him out for, but I want to say it was at least three or four in-game days later. (laughs) It it was some time, but we will get to that in a future (laughs) recap. But that is the end of this ep. Does does anybody have anything else they wanted to reflect on aside from the fact that we got completely housed and Kingsley kind of saved our bacon there too. That's a really... That's right. I forgot about it. Yeah. Kingsley's yeah. perception is much higher than Kira's. Kingsley is forever improving. And we were lucky he lives. was a tiny and not a large <laughs> because that made him nocturnal because he was a little baby baby. If he was a big old scorpion, he'd be like, I'm diurnal. I'm asleep with a better voice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. That's what he sounds I mean, like. He's canonically from uh, from Long Island. Yeah, does, King, does Kingsley know tongues? We need to make a Kingsley voice. I was under the assumption that was a Sam thing. 
just from what I knew of listening to other Pathfinder yeah. podcasts, which is just the one. All scorpions are from Boston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Howie. Howie oh, the Green. God, that, that's yeah, the right. Green thing scorpion. Yeah. The, uh, Howie. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, excellent recap. Hi, guys. Sam here from Dungeon Dive Bar. You may have heard me on my show, Dungeon Dive Bar, or on the very first Brian as Totally Normal Human Albert. Today, I'm here to talk about Extra Life. This year for Extra Life, we at Dungeon Dive Bar are doing what we affectionately call Adventure Paths Done Quick. We are going to do a speedrun of the Paizo Adventure Path Giant Slayer. This choice was because we, the cast, all met through listening to the Glass Cannon Network's flagship show, Giant Slayer, and we wanted to do a loving shout-out to them for all the years of joy they provided. We're starting at 8 p.m. Central on Friday, November 4th, and we'll go all the way into November 5th for all 24 hours. We'll have several guests join us along the way, such as the fine folks at Goblins and Gays, and of course, Pot Against the Machine. You can find this on Twitter at twitter.com slash bardungeon, and find all the links necessary to donate and watch us play. Thanks, and we'll see you at the bar. Are you ever truly alone? They wouldn't shut up, and I was just so damn tired. What would you sacrifice for quiet? Everybody told me it was a hell of a deal. Coming this Halloween, a Network Against the Machine special presentation. Must have been beautiful ones. The Story Machine. Okay, so we are on now to the uh, part of the program where we answer uh, listener questions, specifically questions that are posted in our machine learning questions channel in our Discord. So yeah, if you want to ask us stuff uh, about mainly about the pod is what most of the questions kind of are. Yeah, feel free to stop in there and ask a question. If anyone wants to read off one of these ones now and we can all answer it, whoever wants to can. Someone else read one while just vamp. I'm going to perform my tight 90. Okay, go ahead. Didn't we just get one today? Yeah, see, I also didn't have it up. So I was hoping if I <laughs> let it off to somebody else, one of you guys had opened it in the meantime. <laughs> we did. We did. Yes. And I'm just trying to remember what it was. It was, oh, about how many Iron Gods, yeah. right? From Mashinani, I think, is what Zach. Mashinani yeah. Gun. Question from Mashinani Gun. How many Iron Gods do you predict are in the adventure path in total? You won't know until the end, presumably, but at this point in the campaign, what do you think? I'm gonna go ahead and take a stab as the person with the least amount of Pathfinder and Starfinder lore. I've been thinking about this all afternoon because this is a brand new question. Thank you, Mashinani Guns. I'm gonna say four, you know, assuming that like we mm. have the intro book, we have the outro book, books one and six. There's one for each book after that. And then at the end in book six, they kind of do a Voltron thing and like merge into a single iron god 
to presumably take <laughs> out the uh, the VC4, who of course by then has their own Voltron situation. Mm-hmm. And Vargas. <laughs> the, the VC4 and Vargas. <laughs> what do you mean? Vargas is part of the VC4? I mean, colloquially, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer, and I don't feel like I need any follow-ups, but I guess if other yeah. people want to add their other less accurate answers, go ahead. I also think four. I think Hellion was one. I think there's another one that we may or may not be hearing about from Hellion in an upcoming episode. Uh, who knows? And I think there's another one on top of that that we also hear about from Hellion that I'll admit at where we're at in the game has not been confirmed whether or not they're a god yet, but I kind of think they are one. And I'm going to guess there's another one on top of that. But I feel like more than that is probably too many. So I think there's probably going to be four total. Four is a good number of gods. I thought we were done. I thought it was just Iron God. I didn't see the S when we started this adventure path. So I've been actually in a pretty self-congratulatory <laughs> mood recently. But I guess... Just the last <laughs> several weeks. Man. Yeah. Well, I guess if it's Iron Gods, then two at least. That's going to be my answer here. Maybe I'll play Prices Right and I'll go two and you, you guys can go four. We'll see. Two, 2.1. I was a 201. <laughs> uh, Sam, do you want to guess? Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that the real Iron mm. God was the friends that we made along the way. So is that two? Kira and Asher? So then you're confirming that one of those ones that I was talking about might be one then? Uh, all of them are really, <laughs> if you think about it. So, yeah, like Garrett was a friend we made along the way. I'm trying to think about it. Yeah, there's Garrett and Joram and, and Vaya. Sandville. Sanville, like. Was Sanville a friend? Sanville was your friend. Yeah, but, you know, you were all friends by, like, association <laughs> yes. and aiding and abetting. Sorry, I don't want to re-re-machine learning, but the last I heard of Sanville, he was disparaging my character's good name. Sanville Trent don't get respect. <laughs> Does he deserve it? <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that in the streets. Rodney Dangerfield now. Just. <laughs> I mean, we'll give Sanville Trent the respect the second he starts doing something worthy of respect. He's a rat kidnapping Which drug addict. Which is going to be tough, because, you know. <laughs> I mean, mm. like, what's more respect worthy than that? That's true. God, I've told you all this, but for those who don't know, one time a rat ran over my foot, and ever since then I've thought that rats should have no respect. <laughs> Rough. I play one. I have a tattoo of my oh. first rat's paw. Is it like light size? Body. It's huge. Oh my god! Of course you like do. That's big. kind of adorable. Uh, yeah, it's, if it wasn't on my ankle and would require serious contortion that is no longer afforded to a man of my <laughs> get, advanced get it age on up template. There, Zach. Um, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, wait, that's really cute. But yeah, oh god, so totally yeah, I, that was my first tattoo. So I love rats, honestly. I mean, here's the thing: any rat owner will tell you this. You just make your peace with pee. It's kind of just every, but it's like all sort of parenting. Yeah. The thing with rats, though, like <laughs> I've had, I had a friend who had rats, and I could never have rats because he had one that he taught to play basketball and it was amazing and it would like come when he called it and everything and then it was dead in two years i don't think i could have something that's as smart and as friendly as a dog that has such a short life like it's it's too sad you mm. basically described yeah. why my partner and i don't keep rats anymore we had two together as well but yeah the, oh the average lifespan is anywhere from two yeah. to five years 
Very that's rarely wild. do they live longer. And it, they are intelligent and emotionally empathetic. And Yeah, the, it, that thing was smart as a whip. I mean, it was, it was as smart as any dog I've ever seen. Yeah, they're like, fantastic creatures. As soon as we can figure out how to breed some kind of genetic monster of a rat that lives like 20 years a long lasting <laughs> a, a rat that never dies no problems with this at all <laughs> well what uh, you do certainly. is you get a zill yeah. <laughs> oh, God. i mean if we can breed a rat with a human ear on it i feel like we can make one that can live for 15 years it shouldn't be too hard get on it science <laughs> machine learning brought to you by well if you get like rats. the ooze um, and dump it in the sewer. Oh yeah, that's true. And then, like uh-huh. a rat that yeah. used to you have sort of a work for a sensei of uh, what is Splinter? His name? Ivan? Splinter? Ivan? Scratcher? Okay. Splinter. We were talking. Method. We were discussing ooze as well, and I wasn't sure if we were discussing it. Oh yes or not? No, that it was a Ninja Turtles reference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a belabored one. Or if you're going by the '80s cartoon, Splinter was just a dude who turned into a rat for some reason in the '80s cartoon, yes. which never made much sense. <laughs> the classic 80s. Every other version of the character just is a rat. I was just going to thank Mash and Nanny 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 Gun for that excellent question <laughs> yeah. um, and mm. their responsiveness to our call because we just we just throw it out there and we was... we want it to come back. Yeah, you came, it came in. in quick. Yeah, that one came in today from us asking, hey, if you guys got more questions, give them to us. Okay, I'm actually I'm ready this time with another question from Captain Collateral Damage. How much time does it take between Sam declaring they're going to bed and him actually going to bed? Which actually came at a pretty, because I think when they asked that question, that was the first time we had uh, gone through our full backlog because of various pandemic and uh, job reasonings. So that was an uncomfortable <laughs> question because we we're like, ooh, like three weeks because we need to wait for everyone to be able to speak again. But normally, I would say like we average, what, two weeks? Wait, unless this is one of those pod secrets we're not supposed to tell, in which case I have to ask everyone who's listening live to say JK, JK, and say we record Tuesday nights and get them out Wednesdays. I, I think you're conflating two questions here. Oh, yeah. Because there is the, one, uh, how long? Am I? Yeah, there is one, how long does it take to get made? And one, how long does it take for Sam to actually go to bed? Oh no, I'm so sorry. Crazy piano man. Ah, stepped on all your good questioning. Captain Cloudly, I'm going to get out of here, you. <laughs> well, we can do the I mean, both. I'd like yeah. answers to both the of these. <laughs> well, well, we can yeah. get both. We can get both in. So, Crazy Piano Man's question, as has been hinted at, not sure if this has been asked, but how much time does it take between Sam going to bed and a recording becoming a ready to upload, fully edited episode? So we got both of those questions on the table. Which, as Izzy said, usually mm-hmm. about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we, we try and have a responsible backlog there. We're generally pretty good at it. We've, As we've recently learned, the summer can really uh, mess that up, as can pandemics. Yeah, for those of you perhaps new to podcasting, it is like very difficult to record a podcast with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, soup's tough. A lot of coughing, you have to edit out, you can't breathe. So. What do we have? Um, three out of five COVID cases? We now have more. I was, yeah, I I was say, literally thinking about this last night. More members of the cast have had it than have not had it at we this are, point. Uh, we are a solid representation, perhaps, of the U.S. Uh, slightly ahead of times. We're at 60% positive thing. Um, we hope that the two of you without COVID stay clean and pure forever. Don't leave your houses. One of you lives in Florida, so that seems <laughs> unlikely. Just don't go outside. Well, yeah, but I've been working with the public having people sneeze on me for the last two years. I'm, appara- I'm apparently immune at this point. I don't know. That is impressive. <laughs> Yeah, and the other one of us had a child. I have no excuse. I was on a plane. <laughs> My B. 
I also took multiple plane rides, including one that was like five hours across the country Massive. and people coughing on me. I feel like it depends on where you go. I'm pretty sure I'm just immune to it at this point. I went to South Carolina and those people just <laughs> never mistake in my face. a series of rolling nat 20s for your fortitude save as being immune to something, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Kira's, Kira's fort save is much higher than Izzy's. So, yeah, two ish weeks, depending on how much of a backlog we have. How much time does it take? And this is... It also very much depends on who's editing because uh, there are some <laughs> among you. us who um, can crank through one of those in a... Like to show off and get an episode done in 20 minutes. <laughs> the Sams and the Zacks of uh, uh, The Sams us. do it in like 20 minute chunks every day for like two weeks. Oh, that's also the uh, Jerome method. <laughs> Which is the reason that while this episode is currently being recorded, only two days after the previous machine learning was finally finished, and actually it's not even totally finished because I still have to put a uh, little middle section in. But yeah, that took about three weeks to edit after starting editing it, which didn't happen until like a week after it was recorded. And as we do have a wide variety here, so some of us, you know, like to start early and some of us, uh, the Izzy's among the cast will say, get an episode out at Tuesday at 8 p.m. and be like, hey, can anyone listen to this? Thank God the Izzy's among us have supportive cast members who are like, yeah, we'll, we'll support you and your procrastination because otherwise we would have no show. And we're pretty consistent with the actual uploading and scheduling of publishing of the episode being on Tuesday night before it comes out. Oh yeah, Tuesday nights is Padam night. Often, like, when we're recording, like in the break between two episodes, (laughs) I will upload (laughs) the episode that's supposed to come out mere hours later. Again, Sam only has to do that when I'm the one editing. No, everyone. Everyone, everyone. I've I've done it to him multiple times. (laughs) Sam is a saint for keeping that cadence regular. And like, yeah, I would also say that that's something that makes our podcast kind of unique is that most podcasts, well, I don't know, actually, write in. Let me know if I'm wrong. (laughs) Write in. Cuttingham Law. Someone will absolutely correct me on Discord. But... uh, (laughs) Most podcasts that at least I listen to have a dedicated editor in the group. Yeah. All the ones I can think of that I know who the editor is have a dedicated editor. Like there's plenty that I don't know who edits them, but of all the ones that I do know who edits them, which in this case is HLP, GCP, To Have and To Roll, and uh, Southern Tom Foolery all have yeah. dedicated editors. Um, Find the Path has... Yeah, Find the Path yeah. is Rick. Rick does everything. Uh, Dimension Door, I think James did, or James or Zach does everything on Dimension Door. Um, is it like James for one and Zach for the other? I think so, because like, I mean, like, Zach makes all the music, and then James, I think, does a lot of the editing, but I'm totally... Uh, if <laughs> Right in. Yeah. Sorry if I'm overshadowing <laughs> yeah. other people's editing duties on a podcast that I just listened to. But yeah, no, I think that's an interesting thing for us. Um, and I mean, I'm always interested in hearing if, if people could actually tell the difference, because overall... I feel like, well... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if people can. I mean, like, we try to do continuity with music. We sometimes have different stylistic choices, but like... I have edited exactly one episode of the main show, and I bet you that people who listen to Machine Learning would be able to pick it out because there was a scene where everybody was just sitting around talking, so I used the background music I always use for Machine Learning for that scene. (laughs) That's what you gotta do. I mean, I think that, and it's hard to say this for sure, but I think that each of us has our own editing sort of 
style in that like coming in blind if i listen to an episode i think i could tell you who edited it Ooh, that sounds like a fun game first person to guess five episodes in a row wins a hug i think izzy's is the easiest because she always comes into the like opening beginning of the show with music like right out of the theme so that's immediate um zach cuts the most i do so zach is uh discerning I'm brutal <laughs> zach hates levity and the easiest way to tell for me is the outtakes are an hour and a half long mm, that's another one i i cannot let go <laughs> i just leave all the outtakes in that's like most yeah. of them just stay in i feel like jeff leaves a lot of outtake jeff does yeah. yeah jeff does quite a few outtakes my outtakes are like i pick the funniest part and then move it to the end but everything else i'll just leave in the episode i'm like this is hilarious people should know <laughs> <laughs> that and the other thing that I forgot I was going to say, so I'm going to just read this question instead. How much time does it take between Sam declaring we're going to bed and Sam actually going to bed? Uh, Jerome, do you want to go first? Uh, yes, I believe that Sam goes to sleep roughly 20 minutes after we end the episode. He wrangles all of his cats together, kisses each one on the head. That takes up most of the time. He gives a quick nod to the rest of his family, not showing them anywhere near as much affection as the cats, and then lays down. <laughs> On a pile of On cats. On a bed of cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'd love if we just answered this the same way we answered the uh, <laughs> how many Iron Gods won and let everybody except Sam ends. <laughs> Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll jump in next. I think I like to imagine that Sam goes to bed at their desk uh, just because th- I'm pretty sure Sam gets up at like three or four in the morning. So some of those it's like three or four hours after we finish recording. Got to pick those night mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sam steps, steps away briefly to go pick some mushrooms in the dark from their wooded uh, cavernous upstate New York living, comes back in, tosses a few mushrooms to the cats, presumably, you know, says hello to the rest of the family, um, and then sleeps right there in the chair so that they can be up at a crisp 3 a.m. to (laughs) do whatever they do for a real job, which I think is licking mushrooms. Yeah, drive to go plug in a server, I think, when someone says it's totally (laughs) on. And and computers. That's what I assume. Anytime I have ever gotten a computer alert, I'm like, this is probably from Sam. Um, uh, I so, like that Sam is the guy from the tweet. I don't. Why do you hate IT? Because <laughs> I had to drive 20 miles to turn a push and on button on something three different people told me was on. I, I just want to know why you both are lying. And I'm going to let our audience in oh, on the uh, what actually happened. So when Sam says I'm going to bed, he just closes his eyes. It's like data from Star Trek or something <laughs> shutting down. Terrifying. Sometimes he leaves them open. I don't know if it's like a dominance thing until we end the Skype call. But when he says I'm going to bed, he just goes. It's like right there. <laughs> he does. Bears his teeth. Like but a- then just immediately oh. asleep. It's just like he's in another world. Yeah, no, I mean, it's he. Truly it's, so my answer and uh, one that is backed up by all of our Skype calls that I audio and video record <laughs> for posterity, of course, is Sam immediately goes to sleep <laughs> seconds, seconds later. That's the that's the real answer. Uh, I had joke jokingly put in the uh, in the discord chat, which again, if you want to check that out, join our discord that it depends on whether we play a rousing game of this is no one's face <laughs> um, afterward, which which is, I think, partially true, depending on like the intensity of the episode. We've had a couple sessions where I was like, I cannot go to sleep. Please, 
please play with me this game. And then well, everyone will go to this this person does not exist.com and we'll throw in all the most terrifying faces uh, as Well, the trick is you get the ones that have two faces in them because the AI only generates the first do, face. Right. So the second one is just a mash of body parts. Uh, which thank you. Thank you, Zach. Uh, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zach has one in the back of his uh, webcam mm-hmm. right now fading in and out of existence. Sam, did you like uh, want to yeah. answer this one? Or? Yeah, you want to chime in on this one? Um, I mean, I feel like you all basically got it. <laughs> I mean, I'll go to sleep just sitting where I am for <laughs> hour and a half or so. Just close my eyes, sit bolt upright, and then I'll wake up probably one thirty in the morning. Go upstairs and you know round up the cats, and and we'll all go outside. Pick um, mushrooms. Like, I'll play a little flute so they follow me, <laughs> and um, they pick the mushrooms for me as I sort of prance through the fields, and then we bring in the mushrooms, and we put them all in, in the bags in the refrigerator, and then I'll go to bed on a, a pile of cats and sleep another 20, 25 minutes, and then get up for work. And rise for the IT job. Yeah. I like the idea that you bolt up out of your chair if your wife doesn't throw a blanket over you like a birdcage to make sure that you know that it's nighttime. It's just like... <laughs> go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. No, that is a fan... If there was ever a need for fan art, it is primarily Sam leading the cats in a... At a, a merry jaunt. <laughs> yeah, a midnight mycelium romp. This is all of my knowledge of non-New York City, New York State is from Sam and Mushrooms. Like, I assume it's all haunted but dilapidated asylums in the forest. Yeah. (laughs) And birds. I mean... (laughs) I have yet to be proven wrong. I've never once seen not that. I have so many more of those things. I mean, do you all even know that that I bought a ruin? Wait, what? I bought a collapsed house. Is this a joke? Are you... Is this a joke? Are you joking? You bought a collapsed house? Oh my god, let's build a Patam thing on it. (gasps) Yay. It'll be haunted for sure, but that that feels theme. It's my secret forest compound. There is at least the ghost of a foot on the property, because a lumberjack years ago cut down a tree and it fell on his foot, and he cut off his foot to escape. Naturally, sure. Mm. Sounds lumberjack-ass. And he's still... the foot had unfinished business, (laughs) or why? I'm not ready to leave. (laughs) The foot is very angry. Uh... Yeah. Have you seen anything like actually like weird and spooky in any of your trips out into the I woods? I love this. Spur of the moment machine learning questions. You saw like when your kids get carried off by a Jersey devil or something? or <laughs> And you were like, oh, well, there goes my child. I've seen bears. <laughs> um, bears aren't spooky, but they're pretty scary when they're like right kind there. Of bear? Black bears. Oh, polar black bears. Black yeah, bears. I was going to say, it's black bears. Like well, no one cares. You just harmless. wave at them and That's go on about your day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you honk the car horn and, and they go, all right. Well, I guess yeah. if you have Never children, mind. though, yeah. I, I could see it being scary if they're like small humans around. Yeah, we don't have scary bears on this coast. <laughs> okay, from Crazy Piano Man from last time. If you could adjust your theoretical personal IRL character sheet to max one primary and one dump stat, would you take the deal? I like go through my life daily kind of counting on my charisma to carry me through because I have no other things. My whiz is terrible my int is okay everything else is just awful uh so i really i really need people to care about me as a person in order to like live so i'm gonna go ahead and bump that up to a 20 and let's like let's get rid of decks if you were to place any sort of what are those things um that they have dogs and also olympians run through um hurdles obstacle course (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, if you play placed those before me, I would immediately die. So I'm really, really counting on it. Just my personality, which I recognize as a bold statement as a person who podcasts. But like, it's really all that I have. That's it. My cat is pretty cute. Does that count for anything? Listen, I need people <laughs> to save me. I have no like IRL amazing stats, as it were. Thank you, Crazy Piano Man. Nailed it. Let's see. We have a a pretty serious question that I feel like we'd have to then ask again, but might be a good one to crack open and possibly end this on. We've had a little bit of levity. (laughs) Not end this on, but at least direct. Bellandora asked us for the players. Sorry, Sam. What's the most surprising direction your PC has taken? Interesting. As of which recording? Uh, As of right now, 64. 64, prizing direction. Uh, I can I can speak broadly enough to this that I think it won't necessarily ruin anything. Um, and I've spoken somewhat on this before. One of my favorite parts about playing Kira is that she's just a kid. It's a very straightforward coming of age story. Like um, there have been times when I've been like, should I have, should my character have more backstory? Like, do I want to build in a mystery? And I'm like, no, she's, she hasn't done anything. She's a child. There's nothing there. This is really her discovering who she is. And, you know, without speaking too much on more recent episodes, here's a chaotic good character because she's never had a chance to be anything else. She's like an optimistic, like, yeah, everyone is good. Everyone is kind. Like, this is great. Also, you know, like a teenage blood rager. So there's the chaotic half. Having this opportunity specifically in the arena to be like, wait, this is a thing that I'm good at. I can fight for my friends and like save them and keep them safe. And then failing at that and being like, "Uh uh-oh, now what? It's been a fun, fun sort of turn. And I think getting to explore that more in the last, gosh, 30 episodes now, uh, it was a fun time. I wouldn't necessarily say it's surprising yet. Keep your eye out for future things, but it is, it's a lot of fun to play a character who is still changing who they are as a person by like, by function of just being a kid, a child who is like leaving their hometown for the first time and learning stuff and making friends and watching difficult and not so difficult things happen. Most in terms of most surprising, I think she's she's been she's, I've played her pretty straight to character so far. Did not expect I would have never guessed that she'd you know walk into a single combat in an arena that was new against a troll. Against a troll, it's not surprising to me because I'm like yeah, of course she would. Kids are dumb. <laughs> it is I think the the subsequent sort of like okay well now what has been a fun exploration and continues to be again without alluding to to more recent things and that's the most exciting answer I can come up with. Jero, how about Vargas? Oh, I think I have a really good one that unfortunately, as you said, is kind of a little further on. But I think a big thing of his that kind of wasn't expected was, and I feel like I kind of talked about this forever ago on another very early machine learning question, which is something like, how did your characters end up different than you imagined them type thing? That basically, when I was thinking up Vargas, I imagined him being much less interactive with the rest of the party for longer. Like, I wasn't expecting him to open up to the rest of the party as quickly as he did. But it happened, and it happened very organically. Like, it didn't feel forced or anything for him to be part of everything and interact with everyone, helping everyone. And him kind of attempting to, like take Kira under his wing because he's like, well, here's this person that's still just a kid and is way stronger than I am. Uh, I don't want her to end up like me type thing. (laughs) 
but him doing it in his like awkward Kellid way, like, oh yeah, no, hey, you beat that person down, but they're still alive, finish them off, I think. But yeah, just him being as open and friendly with the rest of the party as he was, as quickly as he was, was not at all something I had planned for him. Yeah. I wanted him to be much more standoffish for much longer, and it did not end up that way. Well, and I mean, that kind of blends into mine, which I have kind of two. One is that exactly, which is that Brixby kind of joining the group. Brixby's intro was him burning a party. Was literally him like letting a party mm. member, yeah, like running out, letting a yeah. party member die Bye. to get answers for something that he needed. So Brixby staying with the party is one, but this ties into what Jero is saying: is like we're also making a podcast, we're making a meta narrative, like that that kind of just prevails over what it is that we do. That basically says become a cohesive unit and take on these challenges, tell the story together. Everybody who's ever GM'd knows that, like, while it's good to have a kind of standoffish character party cohesion is crucial (laughs) past a certain point otherwise it is just like so much energy and to push and pull some groups really love that internal dynamic but it's kind of the same reason why i didn't play brixby as too hard to get but one of the things that really led to that and kind of has started a long path towards potential alignment change i've been pretty open about this is when kira found parda just the nature of that and how that relates to brixby's backstory which i have nothing really more to share because i can't even spoil something that isn't out there yet but yeah this ties into brixby's backstory and and kind of you know maybe even if he wasn't explicit about viewing his tenure in the group as both short and towards a certain end that really solidified it he managed to connect individually with kira and then vargas and then asher on completely different things but i think that one salient point of kira and brixby talking about parda really encouraged the change quickly just the again mirror what Jero said that i did not expect he was less the rap scallion rat scallion that I expected him to be. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, this is, and I've, like I said, I've already answered. I thought there were so many early moments that were great, but uh, in terms of surprise for me personally as the player, like I had, and I've maybe discussed this before, at least I knew it was true in my head, like a whole character arc written for um, Kieran Parta particularly that I was like ready to introduce and like play with through. And then like episode two, Sam was like, nope. And I remember Ouch. you, Sam, and actually Zach, you messaged me too about like kind of talking through Parda's death and what it would mean to Kira. This was way back in 2020 and I didn't have a job yet after having been fired. And all I did was think about that for weeks and how if you're, your first love as a teenager and sort of specifically for Kira figuring out she like likes this other woman um like all of those sort of like things which frankly being very easy to pull on is because i was once a gay teenager and i was like oh i know what this is it was just a lot of fun to like rediscover and then also immediately be like oh no what am i gonna do now so having that i don't know it was something nice to shoot toward like it was uh especially for someone as young as kira is like i said not a lot has been done but i like to think of part is death as like the birth of Kira's uh, drawback trait, which is overprotective. And now like it hasn't come up a whole lot because she's usually on the front lines anyway. But like technically, you know, when anyone goes down with more than 10 feet from her, she's supposed to take a, like that, that minus two penalty and all of these things, 
which also really tied her into the group because she found um, Parda with the group specifically. And, and I think that scene between Brixby and Kira was like meaningful for her too. And again, not to spoil, it plays into a couple of like future interactions between Kira and Brixby again. And just the way that she interacts with Brixby after uh, <clears throat> comes up is like uh, very key there. And I didn't anticipate any of it, but it's it's just so fun to play through. Slash, I, I love a teen drama. Listen, Kira would be a shoo-in for any show on the CW tomorrow. No braggies. Totally. <laughs> and again, just uh, Izzy and I had the pleasure of playing with fun companion podcast, not companion podcast, but excellent podcast about games on Free Radio Brooklyn with Aaron and Bree. We got to play very moody teens together and Izzy has always amazed me at their ability to do it so quickly. <laughs> I've been a moody teen since I was five. You just absolutely playing <laughs> we used to be friends. It was just in constant awe of your ability to play your character so well. I mean everybody. It was a that's a fun game too. If folks haven't played that, even if you're not a big Veronica Mars fan, you should really give it a go because it is fun as heck. Agreed. But I do want to include Sam. So, Sam. <laughs> we should ask Sam a question. Similarly, when you got to pull back the curtain all the way, our initial sort of entry kind of character introduction audition thingies, and then even maybe saw our characters change and coalesce a little bit in the Discord. What did you think our party was going to look like, maybe in terms of like roles and characters and does it look a lot like how the party looks in episode 64? He means, who were you prepared to get rid of immediately <laughs> just based on the Discord chat? That's a really hard question. I'm trying to put myself in like the headspace of like coming into the story. Like, did you see, for example, hmm. Asher as like the, the moral center? Did you see potentially like... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to keep assigning roles to people in your head, but I'm just like, you know, looking at some of the roles that we fill now, some of them are dictated. Asher is definitely like, he's also the party face too. Is, but I guess that kind of makes sense because he's got like 60 charisma. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably was easy to see. I think like the evolution of the party into not really these sort of opposing sets of morality, but the way that all these very different ways of coping with morality and coping with very hard decisions as it's come together. I mean, I, I don't know that I had any specific expectations tied to each character. I mean, you have Kira approaching things as like, a kid with a kind of innocent standpoint and sort of the like very much a chaotic good but like also not experienced with like the horrors of the world yet but we're definitely she's breaking into that and then you have on the exact opposite end of the spectrum like vargas has spent just like hundreds and hundreds of years um, in wars. <laughs> the man is ancient literal eons <laughs> Um, who's probably older than Galarian <laughs> itself. He's 54. And he's seen war, and he's seen, you know, a lot of spoilery things that I can't really get into, but he has this very jaded worldview that's yeah. colored by loss and colored by victories and failure. And then you have Asher, who, you know, he's an eternal optimist, but he's also very, very 
set in his paladin code, which even though he didn't at level one have a paladin code, but he was still like this guy who like, this is what is right. And that has really become kind of a backbone for this party who, you know, they have a lot of doubts and they have all different perspectives. And like Brixby, I don't think Brixby came in like expecting to be a team player. Like you were saying, he didn't come in expecting to care about things the same way that these people do because he's always sort of been like in his intro he was like the guide for this other party he was an outsider but it's all sort of become an entirely different creature if that makes sense from any of their individual moralities and like each of the characters flavors it and it it's been you know very as i said like nothing i really predicted coming in but it's been really cool to see it develop and really cool to see how you've all personified your characters and really gotten into like what would Brixby do in this situation faced with like oh we might we almost were killed by this rock creature and we can't really go any farther and like what would Vargas do like and he's lost these horrible fights before and like then there's Asher who <laughs> was unconscious the whole time what would he do and you know, Kira's never been knocked out before you know like when she was in all her previous fights you know basically one hit and whoever was on the other end was down but now there's a giant rock monster in her face and you know it's so i don't know it's i'm kind of rambling but it's all very cool how it's come together and how you've all like very much internalized and been very true to these characters and building this sort of machine that is the very capable four it is truly wild like at this point i can say and i've been able to say this i guess for like a year or so but as we all know i started playing ttrpgs in 2020 and this is my longest running one right like like, you guys were the second game I started playing, and this is the only game I'm still playing two years later. And it is wild how ridiculously attached I am to these characters. Again, no spoilers, but, like, a couple of the sessions we've recorded in the last couple of weeks. Like, I know, I know that these are fictional characters, and my friends are not in trouble. But I'm still like, no, we need to murder everyone around. Like, this is the only way to save the game. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I fully anticipate should maybe it happens or doesn't who can say i can see should a character go down like i'd have to be like sam i hate you i'm out of the game like that just i I just have to walk you know potentially when i have to describe this what we do to people i always describe it as gambling with emotional stakes like that is it 100 percent. because like you know yeah you could step back at any point and be like ah yes i am a fictional rat on the internet but then there's times where like in combat and something goes sideways and i am just gripping the side of my desk being like okay yep there could be times when my hands are shaking and i don't know how to explain that to like my mom i was like no mom i prom i know it's just a game on the internet with strangers i've literally never met but i have so many emotional stakes in there and be like you should you should go outside izzy touched on which is (laughs) touch some grass no but izzy touched on this before and i think that this is maybe a universal experience not just for the people on this pod but people who play ttrpgs is that sort of like electrifying post-session feeling that you get where you just like can't go to bed you just gotta like scroll through the discord you gotta talk about it and process it with like people who are marginally interested or informed on the system that it is that you play and like (laughs) there is yeah it is i don't know it it takes a lot to uh just kind of walk away from this emotionally and not want to just immediately turn back around and be like i know we just talked for three and a half hours but you guys want to just like work it out a little bit more (laughs) 
Which is why I'm so grateful I don't hate all of you because I don't know who else I would talk to about this. The secrets. I, I will occasionally text Jeff's wife and be like, oh my God, no, you don't know what happened, but I need to tell someone about this uh, because everyone else is asleep. Yeah, there is that, you know, the double-edged sword of having this on a show is like, you know, we walk away from a session and I'm not going to say like what session we recorded last week, but there was a particular die roll where like, when you know i saw the number i was like oh my god mm-hmm. i and i'm not gonna say you know what happened but <laughs> it after certainly that, wasn't excellent at all after that session's over it's like i want to talk about this so much i want to like you know get on the discord and start talking with people about it but at the same time like that episode's not out yet it's not going to come out for a while like we can talk with amongst ourselves but at the same time it's like everybody was there and i gotta go to bed and we're all working five hours and everybody's (laughs) mad at me (laughs) and um yeah i'm gonna wake my wife up who doesn't care at all and tell her what happened my cat Uh, has been regaled with all of these things yeah I tell my daughter about it. She's pretty into it. So we got that going for us. Right. I'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, at least you and Jeff have kids that like the <laughs> programming. Like, kids, I know it's midnight, but hurry, listen up. <laughs> and I got to say, Jeff also, his wife also is a huge fan of the show. And so fantastic human. That's yeah. someone and to just great person. bore the ear off of that actually cares about it, which is nice to have. <laughs> I don't want to say bullied her into a friendship, but... Uh, she, I, I text her more than most people to be like, oh my God, did you see this thing? And she'll be like, no, I have a life. <laughs> I will say when I went up at 1215 after that episode, my daughter was still awake. So. You, you gotta tell her something. She's a monster and a teen. teen. As a follow-up to that excellent, in-depth, really just, you know, inside the actor studio style, like discourse we had here, I'd like to bring it to our friend Darby, who... Is the most viscous of the characters, <laughs> and please explain why. And and please explain in thorough detail for science. I'll go first. That's fine. My answer: Asher, because he is unnaturally smooth. Hey, oh, that's probably all we need to discuss. Uh, sorry, Darbs. <laughs> what about Nathan? I was going to say Nathan. I was also going to say Nathan the uh, goo horse. It is. I again okay as you all know um, Pod Against the Machine has been 98% of my introduction to the TTRPG world I didn't know about this before 2020 we went to the pandemic I started listening to Adventure Zone and then I joined a podcast bizarrely Uh, so I don't know like what the percentage is for like how often people are discussing viscosity on other podcasts but I can only assume viscosity is like a Mm -hmm. high like 90 to 98 percent of all Pathfinder discussion which is a bummer because had I known that me and my textual issues would have stayed with literally any other game that said it's got to be Garrett right that dude Alex Max himself under every doorway possible at all given times and just becomes sentient sludge. Oh my God, the Secret Life of Alex Mack reference. So good, right? <laughs> 90s kids only. The fact that you are canonizing that we've seen Garrett naked at least once is horrific no. to me. No, no. And Alex Mack, her her uh, clothes go with her when she goes T-1000. She yeah. could, she could okay. go into clothes. It was a children's show, Zach. No, okay. Didn't wasn't that like the thing the first time she was like? Yeah, I think oh, the heck, first time her clothes didn't go. Well. I remember. Yeah. I used to. 
The very yeah. first. Okay, you're, you're, yeah. fair, you're fair. You're fair. Okay, okay. Fine. 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 Uh, loved that show. Nice. Absolutely fantastic well, show. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, for the Darbies of yeah. the world. Go back 20 years. More than that. Yeah, this is from before you were born, <laughs> yeah. Darby. But um, yeah. if she eats curry, she gets super strength. Yeah. And um, <laughs> wasn't Jessica Alba the bad guy in an episode? Say again? Wasn't Jessica Alba the bad guy in an episode? She might have been. That's some secret, secret world of Alex I, Mack. I'm That's secret, secret world. Secret, um, secret. IMDb Jessica. world. Uh, I but I, I will say oh, it was also a fantastic nice. time capsule for like valley culture in the 1990s. Because that was like, it was like a SoCal show, right? She was like in LA, right? Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. I thought that it was like a very like LA surrounding outlining area kind of aesthetic Jessica show. Jessica Alba uh, was in fact in an episode as a character named Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> who apparently does not nice. have a last name Holy according cr- to IMDb. She was just a character mm. called Jessica. I did not realize that show was from the 1990s. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, when you absolutely. said 20 years, I'm like, no, more than that. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching wow. that on yeah. Nick at the at the time, for sure. That's a thank you for that question. <laughs> Even if Izzy hates Solid. it. I don't hate it. I just don't like gooey things. Stop eating foods filled with other soft foods. Don't stop. I mean, listen, I'm not one to, I can't. I'm just saying that we all acknowledge peanut M&Ms are the superior M&M and that's it. Good night, everyone. Bye. Can't stop, won't stop. I'll put my soft foods anywhere I want. You come and take it. Turn this to a Gadsden soft food flag. God, I won't. I won't, though, is the thing. I want only crunchy textures all the time. I, if it doesn't hurt my mouth, I don't That's want true. it. true. Got to get the flavors in from all the cuts, too. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, really absorb the Shizuan peppers right into the roof yes. of my mouth. Shall we question that another? Feels like a solid place. <laughs> or, or we we what, do you want to do a log off question? Let's go for one more. Yeah, yeah. We can do one more. We can we can do a log off question. I feel like I have a list of questions that I keep in my head to ask when I'm available for machine learning. Sadly, I keep them in my head and not on paper. So, oh well. Uh, let's see. What do we still have on the pinned? How about we go to a Commodore? Love Commodore. Have sure. you guys discussed the overpowered natures of Kasathas slash androids as PCs? If one of those two kills a character, is the player then obliged to roll an overpowered PC using that race? So I'd like to ad- I've always thought yes. adapt this question slightly. Anybody thinking of any backups that are androids or Kasathas, first of all? Possibly. Maybe. <laughs> Who can say? Uh, no. Actually... I, I think I will, because I think <laughs> at the time that this episode yeah. came out, our to have and to roll crossover had come out, and I will say that there is a character I played in that that is a Kasapa who is a uh, Gunslinger Seven Fighter Two in that module. That is absolutely a character that is one of my backup for this game. That is, <laughs> as Commodore said, hilariously broken to the point that at level nine. She had five attacks around with the first one was like at plus 18 or something <laughs> like they are uh, incredibly powerful races and putting them into certain character types, like say a character that fires crossbows that can then reload them with their extra arms. They can get a lot of mileage out of certain classes. Gonna be honest, my only real I do have an idea for a backup. My second idea for a backup presumably is Sage, who is canonically a ninja. So, uh <laughs> And also presumably not a Kasatha, although, you know, who can say? We don't know much about her except that her boyfriend is in somewhere that everyone else knows yeah, the name of. We've never actually said, Sage, show me all of your hands. <laughs> we have not said that. 
Uh, There's no way to know how sneaky she is. Being a te- you know how teenagers yep. like to hide they their, love to hide their hands. Hands. <laughs> Sam, you're aware. So here's my answer on this. <laughs> Have I built one Android character in Hero Lab and played them? Of course, in, in one of our companion podcasts, real companion podcasts there. <laughs> the Brian Identity. Would I actually play them in Pot Against the Machine? No, because... I don't feel like I know enough about the actual lore of androids or Kasathas yet to feel mm. like I could write an appropriate backstory for them. Because like maybe this is a little spoilery if you look at the date that this comes out and the pod wherever the you know top pod episode number is, but like at this point, I still don't feel like I could tell you where androids came from in Galarian, or much about Kasathas or their culture, except for the much revered tradition of hiding behind a door and punching a rat in the face, which apparently (laughs) is just on a DNA level. But yeah, no, I just have trouble kind of conceiving of a good story that would fit inside what I feel like a pretty thematic race for this this, uh, AP. Either of them, really, Mm. right? So, but I mean, at the same time, have fun in Hero Lab. Stories should never hold you back. And I will say, as far as like my Kasatha backup, I do know from, I don't remember if it's like Inner Sea Guide or one of those ones that's like a little companion book thing mentioned that like it didn't say much about Kasatha, but it said what it did say about them reminds me of kind of like an almost like an Aboriginal type culture where it talks about like when they hit a certain age, they kind of wander off on their own into their like desert habitat. And that was kind of my idea behind her was basically she was taking like her test of like adulthood type thing. Like, and that's why she would be able to show up and help the party. And other than that, like, I have no idea what her life would be like back at the Kasatha thing. I'm assuming if I ever have to use her, I can just ask Sam for details. (laughs) Um, I mean, as far as the overpowered nature of these races goes, like the Kasatha have the very clear advantage of four arms which in pathfinder first edition is so huge i can't tell you the number of builds that i've done where it's just like if i just had a third arm (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like a joke but it's real like the extra arms just make the character so much more powerful because like there's a lot of swift action and free action action economy Mm -hmm. that depends on having a free hand um and you can cram tons of extra stuff into a turn and get all these extra attacks with the android on the other hand i feel like the overpowered nature is more subtle and specific in that like they're immune to emotion-based stuff so it's more like if you're playing them in say strange aeons or something where there's all this like fear and like dumb I don't know if there's dominant well, person in strange hands, but yeah, psych- yeah. there's psychic stuff, yeah. You're going to be immune to all that stuff, and it's not going to be fun for you as a player if just, like, nothing's hitting you, basically. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have the same risk. But in something like Iron Gods, I feel like the risks are more physical in nature, or at least not, like, specifically emotional and psychic in nature. So you don't have the same overpoweredness for the android. So, I mean, if you want to play an android, this is definitely the um, AP to play it in. But as far as the lore goes, I mean, there's probably stuff that'll come out in later episodes. Probably a little. say. Just a little. But who knows? Do we feel okay with that last question? Yeah, I think that was a good... I want to ask everyone a question just to know. 
You put that pillow away. (laughs) (laughs) What is your character's favorite flavor of ice cream? Sam, you can answer for Hellion. And chocolate chip. Um, No one else has any answers. We're going to bed. hmm. Hellion, I don't think, knows about ice cream. Classic. If he did find out about ice cream, he would demand all of the flavors. And um, he's the type of guy who, like, wouldn't make any effort to distinguish between them. He would just be like, no, give me a scoop of each one, and I will eat them all, and I will taste no difference. And that is the way ice cream is consumed when you are a god. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to work some sort of, like, pun into, like, key lime pie by replacing lime with crime because Brixby is a crime rat. He crime But at the same time, the actual answer is probably he's kind of a pistachio guy. Maybe pistachio rose water. Like maybe a little bit of both. That's that's Brixby. Brix is subtly that guy that you don't want to bring to like the restaurant because they're going to be like, do you not have, do you not have kale water here? (laughs) It's just a good flavor. (laughs) I'm sorry, how old are these ice cubes? As much as I hate to lean into the he's old aspect of the uh, Vargas thing, I think his flavor would also be pistachio, <laughs> just because <laughs> that it just makes sense for him, as much as that's like <laughs> the classic, this is what old people eat flavor of ice cream. I think he would like pistachio. And that's it's that or well, yeah, that's a deleted scene of Brixby and Vargas uh, sharing ice cream cones <laughs> in Torch. <Aww. laughs> on the on the banks of the, the river watching the kids rob each other or whatever they did prior to the library. And yeah, two scoops, rum raisin Beautiful. and pistachio. You're right. <laughs> brand topping oh we love our old men and Mm -hmm. brixby okay and i feel like that is okay now we can send everyone to bed (laughs) and okay good night sam good night sam Sam. (laughs) machine learning kill command It's time for listen to mail. Boop. Sorry, quick aside. I just wanted to welcome and congratulate first-time chatter, Miss <laughs> BS and Doctors. Uh, thank you so much for that's, joining us. Yeah, that's definitely not me. Yes. It's, yeah. No, that is first-time chat or Miss BS and Doctors. Miss BS and Doctors. <laughs> and we'd like to thank her very much for joining in the chat. That's so good. <laughs> All right. Also, I'm 110% positive you have written in this chat before. Unless this is the first time you've written since we became an affiliate, and maybe that counts different. Probably, yeah. People who are not members of our Discord can't see, but I am currently um, generating a image for Miss BS and Doctors in the (laughs) um, Pot Against the Machine Uh, Discord, which is a nice place. Yeah, I was gonna, if you want to see the uh, end result of that, please join us in the Pot Against the Machine Discord. I don't know how to get you there, but like, I guess follow us on Twitter. Yeah, hang on. Or maybe Nightbot has a thing. Uh, there we go. Is it uh, social? While we it chill is. our own show. Oh, wait, show. no, it's not that one. Huh? Uh, it looks vaguely female. That one. There it is. Good we job. have a humanoid creature, Miss BS and Doctors. Damn, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to tease it. 
Oh no, oh, that's great. Because uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to share costume. it outside of the uh, Discord. People have to join to see it. Exclusive content. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. The Halloween costume joke of when I go out, hit the city as Miss BS and Doctors, <laughs> <laughs> and the entirety of New York is like, "Wow, what are you?" And then no, are you going to be podcast. that? Oh no, it just updated again. I was going to say the third one looked like they had their hair tied around their chin, but it just updated again. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do some planning. I think Miss BS and Doctors is a doctor. This except the second one. Uh, the mystery abounds. The second one is, um, I don't know what's going on with her. She's like part. That's Picasso. Part the question, <laughs> kind of. It was worth the wait. That was probably like my last free picture. This is great content for <laughs> I was like, no, podcast, this is all good. Yeah. This is great. They're gonna join the Discord. Don't worry. Now you have to join the Discord. <laughs> yeah. Boop. Bro, you know tongues, you know tongues. bro. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to donkeys. <laughs> I'm gonna go to donkeys. <laughs> oh no, no! I'm not gonna let Papa you pass with that one, in Florida. Pack your car in the yard. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pack your car in the yard. It's really if your jaw doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. <laughs> departed, departed, departed. Just marky mark. <laughs>